0: Please take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. Book of Ephesians this morning and chapter 5. How many of you here enjoy riding amusement park rides? Anybody? Okay, the roller coasters? Okay. How many of you used to enjoy that? (laughs) A little too old for it now, right? Uh, Well, that's not actually been something I've been a huge fan of myself. I don't know, you can call me a scaredy cat, that's fine. It's actually probably of the Lord that I don't really like him because uh, um, I personally, uh, it it would be a little bit dangerous for me to be able to be on them with my scoliosis I have and the neck conditions I have. I I, I fit, you know, when they say, if you're this and this and this and this and this and this and this, don't ride, well, I fit a couple of those categories at least. Uh, And it's not phobia, uh, being fearful, it's just, uh, I, I remember the only real experience I had of, the of being on a uh, on a roller coaster big one was in ohio i don't remember the place uh, and uh, but it was, it was it was one of the major places there years ago and we were with our family and my aunt joy and for those of you here and know her she just actually passed away um, i think this is around the anniversary time and it was uh, not that uh, i think it was let's see that was 2010 so 12 years ago she went home to be with the lord but Anyway, she, uh, she was the sweetest, most smile-mannered lady. I mean, honestly, just the most genuine Christian you could ever be around in your entire life. <laughs> but she loved roller coasters. Um, and uh, so she was urging me to go on, it. I think my sisters, too. And, you know, here's how it goes. Here's the boy, and he's got his sisters. And uh, he didn't really want to go, me, but his sisters were all in. So what am I going to do? i got to go, right? All of you can... Um, I don't know why I keep cutting out here. I guess uh, we may have to go to the main mic. I'm sorry for this. We're having issues. They even changed out my mic pack this morning. But we'll uh, we'll um, keep keep moving forward the best we can. I'm not sure what's happening. We'll get it fixed before next week, Lord, Lord willing, right? Um, but anyway, what happened was is uh, if you saw the picture of me in the Sunday night service last week, standing by Pastor, do you remember that? Or two weeks ago? Okay, and you saw those glasses, right? Okay, uh, the nerdy glasses. I thought were really cool, about, you know, that big. I guess they're coming back in style, the big ones, you know. But, um, but they were real big, and I thought that was great. So I had those glasses on, and, uh, but I didn't, you know, think I should wear them, so I stuck them in my pocket. And uh, we got on the roller coaster. We go up the roller coaster and um, down the roller coaster and whatever. And we get off, and I was, I, I survived, but it wasn't my favorite thing I've ever done. And I, I, I must have been leaning really hard the wrong direction, and I got my glasses out, and they had snapped. Yeah, I know, isn't that sad? That's really sad, but uh, my glasses had snapped. Now, imagine if I had been at that amusement park, and I had actually really, really, really wanted to ride those rides, okay? and that, that was something I loved to do, and I had even paid the admission price to get in there and actually be there at the amusement park. And I had the, I had the gold pass, the gold standard. Every ride was available to me to ride, and I literally walked around the entire time I was there at the amusement park, and I never got on a, on a ride. I, I never actually believed that what I had actually purchased was going to get me on there, even though it said on the ticket, all rides are available for you. You have bought all of them, and I, get, I got on none of them because I didn't believe in the reality of what I actually had bought. Or how about this? Just as a real-life story for me when it comes to this. I was driving our 1996 van, Ford van, our family had, uh, and that uh, God had given us that van it had worked really well for us. But we knew we were at the end of it because it wasn't passing emissions, and it was too expensive to fix for the value of the van. And so, but we were going to take it on a trip, to, on a ministry trip as a family to Iowa, and we were excited about going together as a family. We're going down Silver Spring, and we get to Lover's Lane, and the van just Right before we got on the highway. And right there in front of that Taco Bell, if you know what I'm talking about. Like right there, Highway 100 and Lover's Lane. Or, and um, uh, Silver Spring, Highway 100's Lover's Lane. And so we were sitting there, and I thought, oh boy, well, I can't do anything about this. I got to get a tow. And I knew it wasn't just a matter of it being jumped, it was clearly the alternator. So I didn't remember something very important. I have insurance that actually has free towing up to a certain mileage. And I totally just, I had, when I got the insurance, I, I, I knew that that was part of it, but I totally forgot about it. And so I ended up asking somebody to help me figure out the right towing company, got the towing company, went all the way to here, which is uh, two miles or whatever it is, and uh, paid $155. And I remember kind of being bummed out. I thought, man, alive, $155 for that distance, what in the world? And then a few weeks later, just the Lord's humor to me, I guess, I pull out of a file and it says, free towing. With, so, wait, I already had this. I had it. All I had to do was get, connect the right dots, get to the right people, and I would have had a free tow to bring the van to this parking lot. Now, folks, let me say something to you this morning. You're loved. Believe it. It's true. It's absolutely true. If you are a child of God this morning, you are a beloved child of God. This verse that we're going to look at, actually two verses here in Ephesians chapter 5, come from a book, a glorious book. The book of Ephesians is... You can't really you shouldn't compare books in the Bible, but Ephesians is up there. I mean, it's just full of tremendous truth. And I think about Ephesians chapter one, how believers are talked about with their position in Christ and then ultimately ends with his mighty power. He's far above all principalities and powers. Ephesians 2, we have a glorious salvation. We are seated with him in the heavenlies. And uh, the Jews and Gentiles are one body uh, in Christ, and he's made that a reality. In chapter 3, the church was a mystery in times past. Now it's being made known. The love of Christ is being made real. God's being glorified by his His church. All this is, is just laid out for us, just tremendous theological truth, but also can be transforming truth when we understand who we are in Christ and what he's given to us uh, as his people in the body of Christ and hear the passion that God has for his church his local churches that are in operation and then we find in Ephesians chapter 4 a very practical section of scripture starting in verse 1 that pastor preached from two weeks ago where it says, walk worthy, in chapter 4, verse 1. Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. And then, for the next part of that chapter, it talks about the importance that every single one of you who are part of this body have in the cause of Christ and have right here at Falls Baptist Church. And then it talks about putting on the new man. And, uh, and, then, and then it talks about the things that we're not to have part of our life any, anymore. Things like putting away lying. Don't be angry. Uh, don't give place to the devil. Uh, don't steal. Talks about corrupt communication not being a part of our lives. Not grieving the Holy Spirit of God. And letting all bitterness and wrath and all those aspects of spirit sins not be part of us at all. And then we get to verse 1 of chapter 5. And here's what it says. If you would look there, please. It says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. And walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Folks, the first thing this passage of Scripture shows us this morning is that we are to live loved. Get that? We are to live our lives loved by God, because that's exactly what he says you are. It says in verse 1, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Embrace your identity this morning. You know, you hear about identity politics, right? And uh, there's all these different identities, whether it's gender, race, uh, status, whatever it is. There's all kinds of different uh, areas that our nation especially has gotten caught up in when it comes to politics. And they call it identity politics. And so we get caught in in that. Well, folks, we're to embrace the fact that we have an identity. Every single one of you have a very obvious identity here in this scripture passage, and it says that you are a beloved child. It says, as dear children. What a contrast from chapter 4, which says, don't be children or immature. It's a different word than used here. Okay, The word in chapter 4 about being children tossed to and fro, that's a different word for child than the the word that's found in chapter 5. All right? But that word is is in chapter four is speaking of somebody who's immature and and childish and being tossed all over the place and 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 just just being tossed about with every wind of doctrine and believing this and then going over here and then over here and their life's just being just like a a ping pong ball in between two paddles, back and forth, and they're just they're just tossed to to and fro. What a difference and what a contrast from what we find in verse one. Be there for followers of God as dear children. What a comfort that is. What a, what a position of just, of stability that is, right? I mean, you are a loved child of God. Did you get that this morning? I don't care what your past is. I don't care where you are right now in your spiritual journey. God loves you. And he loves you. The word here is the agape word. It means he loves you unconditionally look some of you don't know what it means to be loved and that isn't necessarily your fault when it comes to your upbringing you can't choose the parents you had you can't choose the circumstances that you were in some circumstances yes you could have chosen but God in his plan he put you in a certain home the way he did he allowed you to be in the situation that you were in and because of the sinful choices of those who were in your lives, maybe you did not experience love. In some cases, some of you actually experienced abuse. And so when it comes to God and understanding his love, you really have a hard time with the fact that he loves you. And he actually loves you right now, and he loves you when you're struggling. He loves you when you're doing well. He just loves you, period. His love is unconditional. See, that's the starting point. This is saying here be a follower of God as somebody who is dearly beloved by him. Folks, you are loved like the father loves the son. Matthew 3:17, a low voice from heaven saying, "This is my beloved son." This is what Jesus was called by the Father at that moment when he was baptized there in Matthew 3. John chapter 17, when Christ is praying, he says, I and them and thou and me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Think of the heart of the Father, the perfect love he has for the Son, the same love that the Father has for Jesus he has for you. Get a hold of that. Look, some of you are very insecure in this room this morning. You don't have to be insecure. I talk to some of you, I do. And I hear you make statements that make me a little bit sad. When you talk about, well, God, you know, He just, you know, I don't, I don't know. I just don't, you know, nobody really loves me and God, you know. No! No, yes, people blow it and people misuse you probably and and say things they shouldn't say to you. I get it. There's disappointments all over the place. But there's one person who will never disappoint you. It's God the Father. He loves you. He loves you. And you're loved perfectly. Perfectly. 1 John chapter 4 says, and this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we loved him, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. First John 4, 19 says, we love him because he first loved us. You know what true love is? It's loving your enemies. And God loved you. And you and I, before we got saved, were the enemy of God. And yet he still gave his life for us. That's genuine love. That's perfect love. You know, in the last few hours, literally, I am very grateful that my God has been actually preparing my heart. Because as I was meditating on what I was going to be preaching today for the last two weeks, kind of came to a head in the last few hours, as we got back from Atlanta at 5 o'clock, my little boy was, uh, Nathan was so well taken care of. He was, uh, but he got sick two days ago and got the flu, and he wouldn't keep anything down at all. And they did everything they could to take care of him, did a great job, but he just, he was sick. I mean, it was a, not a good bug. And we got home. Um, I appreciate those who were babysitting him. They said, look, he probably better take him somewhere. So we went over to urgent care, and uh, I took the kids home into urgent care, and guess what? They said, we better get an ambulance because his blood sugar is not good. So then they take him there and pray, pray, praise the Lord. He's doing much better. He was there overnight. They're still there right now. My wife is there. But I'm going to tell you what, and then some other just odd things happened. I got home, and I thought, oh, this thing. But you know what helped me? Every moment, the Lord kept bringing back. I love you. I love you. I love you. You know how much that helps you? Now, I recognize that it was just the flu, but it could have gotten bad. But the fact is is I put this little monkey in the blanket in the bed cuz he had been somewhere else and I put it there and he wasn't in the bed. I can't imagine being somebody and some of you have faced this where you actually lose a child and they're not back there the next day. I can't imagine that. But even if that were to happen, I could still say, "God, you love me." See, that's the thing about God. No matter what he allows in your life and no matter what you're faced to hear this morning, let me tell you, he loves you. Get a hold of it embrace your identity people are confused about what gender they are sometimes they're even confused about what their ethnicity is but i can tell you as a child of god there's one thing this morning you don't have to be confused about you're loved you're loved so embrace your identity the second thing be motivated by his forgiveness And this is really important here it says be ye therefore followers of god as dear children now, whenever you see the word "therefore" in a verse, you need to see why it's therefore. What is therefore? Okay, and so it's obviously pointing back to something before. What's it pointing back to? Well, look at verse thirty-two, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Look, folks, you and I need to realize that our motivation for what we'll see here in a minute about following him, all comes down to the fact that, yes, he loves us. My identity is I'm loved by him. Think of the song that was just written a couple years ago, All I am, I am in him, beloved child of God. Then it ends with, again, that phrase, All I am, I am in him, beloved child of God. He loves you, and he has forgiven you. Even as God, for Christ's sake, Hath forgiven you. Every one of your sins has been forgiven, folks. Psalm 103.12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Ephesians 1 6 says, To the praise of the glorious grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Every sin that you have, has been forgiven. But let me also tell you that our forgiveness came at a great price when we think about being motivated by this forgiveness. You notice here, it says, As God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And that also in verse 2, it says of chapter 5, he hath given himself for us. Can I just tell you, folks, for us is not just a cute little preposition. That's a very significant word. For. It doesn't mean he did something nice for you. He did something called gave himself in the place of you. Big difference, right? It's one thing for me to give you a gift. It's another thing for me to actually be willing to give my life and take and be the substitute for you if you were going to have to face death. That's what Jesus did. He became the payment. He didn't just die for your benefit. He actually died in your place. That's a big deal, isn't it? And we find here that our debt was paid in full. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you, He has paid the debt that you and I deserve to pay." Verse, 1 Corinthians 6:20 says, "For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You and I have been bought with a price, and the sin debt that you and I both have or had, if you know the Lord as Savior, is paid in full." Your sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. Let me tell you this morning, though, if you don't know the Lord as Savior, you need to come to him and get that gift of salvation. You need that salvation because without it, you do have a sin debt. And you're, the Bible says sin is worthy. The punishment for sin is death. Death apart from God in hell. But as we're talking about, Christ gave himself, and you can receive that today. What if you got a statement in the mail? Let's say you had a debt, maybe your mortgage. And all of a sudden, you got a statement that said, pay in full. Wouldn't that feel good? that feel really good. I'm not uh, condoning everything about him. There's a lot of good that he has, but uh, there's obviously some things I wouldn't be 100% for, but maybe you heard of Dave Ramsey, right? And he's all about something on this radio program called the Debt-Free Scream. How many of you heard that before? Okay, a few of you. Where what they do is people get on, and they give their stories. And they say, I had a debt of, we, we, we had student loan debt of 100000 and credit card debt of $50,000, and, and uh, we got um, very serious about taking care of that, and uh, within the last four years, we finally got it down, and we're now completely paid off. They'll be there at the, the national headquarters, I think, in, in Tennessee, and, and they'll, they'll, they'll give their story on the program. They're in front of a lot of people there. And then what happens is, is he asks them how they did it and what decisions that they made to get out of debt, and, and uh, they'll they'll talk about uh, just all the hard things they had to do to get out of debt, and it, it's very interesting. I actually I enjoy listening to those things sometimes because it's like wow, that was a, that was quite a few steps they had to had to take and they had to really go after it, and uh, and then they do something. He says we're going to count down three, two, one, and then normally it's a husband and wife on there and they'll they'll yell the words we're debt free. You know, and then everybody's cheering and yelling and, you know, whatever. Just whatever. I, just a, something that kind of identifies them, okay? Uh, that that company. They'll yell, that we're debt-free. That's something they had to work toward. I don't want to put the two on the same plane because the, the one I'm going to mention now is infinitely higher. But, folks, when it comes to sin, you're debt-free. And you didn't have to do anything for it either. You You didn't. You didn't deserve it. You don't. You you did nothing to earn your forgiveness. Nothing, nothing. But you can give a holy, hallelujah! Scream. Word debt free. I'm debt free. What a glorious thing! Praise the Lord. So you're motivated by the forgiveness of God. You should embrace the identity that, that you have. I'm a beloved child of God. But then the third thing we see here on this live uh, loved is we're to follow his heart. We're to follow his heart. It says, Be therefore followers of God as your children. This is a command. This is a command give, given here be or become. And it's written in the tense where it's actually something that God has to do through you. You cannot become a follower of God without his strengthening, without his enablement. And so 1 Corinthians, or sorry, 1 Thessalonians 5:24 says, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Anything that God calls you to do, he commands you to do, he will enable you to do. And he's saying here, be a follower of me. The word literally is imitate. Okay? Now, a follower is an imitator, so what a, the greatest privilege, the highest and holy calling that any believer could be given is to be told, be like your heavenly Father. Christ himself said it in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, when he said, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. What a standard that was given by Christ himself. He says, look, be an imitator of your Father. Be perfect, even as he is perfect. Now, I enjoy when my sons want to follow what I'm doing, and sons do that with dads. I remember just the other day, I was with Nathan and, and Joshua, and I was at home in the morning. It was on my day off on Thursday, and I was, uh, was going to do a, a hide-and-seek game with them. And so I thought, where am I going to hide? I said, boys, go in the living room, countdown, you know, 20, 19. You know, tell the 2-year-old to count down from 20. Actually, it works pretty good. The 4-year-old is really guiding him. Joshua does a great job. He knows it. So he's, they're, they're counting down. I think they actually counted up to 20, but whatever. And I'm trying to make it sound better than this. I think they went up, not down. But uh, regardless, they got to 20. And I'm thinking, where am I going to hide? So I thought, aha, I'm going to hide under the dining room table. Okay? And it took them a long time. It was great. But finally, those little feet in there, you, you know, it's hard you can see them coming in there. Like, all of a sudden, daddy. Okay? So it's my turn to let them hide. Where did they go? Same place. Same place. I even walked in the downstairs shower. I was uh, hold, holding uh, Nathan. We were hiding, and Nathan was quiet. I mean, Joshua was yelling, where are you guys? You know, and somebody, ah, ah hey, Joshua, you know, and he's still looking for me, whatever, and you can hear him running around the house, and, and Nathan's just real quiet. So guess where they're going to hide the next time? In the same place. Okay? Now, that's kind of a, a little bit of a silly example, but not really what does God say he wants us to do and how does he want us to live and who is he? And He wants us to be just like that. And he's enabled us to be just like that in the position of being a dearly beloved child. Here's what I want you to get. It isn't just somebody copycatting somebody else. It's actually somebody literally following, wanting that fellowship, wanting that closeness, wanting that relationship, wanting to be just like him because of that love. That's what should drive you The song, The Love of God, is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches deep where sinners dwell. The guilty pair bowed down in care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure, the saints and angels song. I think of the verse that says, when we... with." Could we would think the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill. This is an older song, so it's thinking of filling that, uh, the, the stalk with, with ink. Uh, every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade. To write the love of God abroad would drain the oceans dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. What a song. It really, in a, in a good way, depicts the love of God. Folks, live loved live love but secondly quickly this is the last point we are as a result of living loved, we're to give love so it's really the same points as accepted extended the first one is live love that's the idea of accepting the love of God the second point of this sermon is right here in the passage and that's the idea of give love that's the idea of extending God's love look at verse 2 and walk in love As Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Folks, walk in your identity. Walk in it. It's another command here. Walk. Take steps. Walk. Order your behavior in the sphere of the love of God. The perfect love that God has for you and for me is to be that which dominates the way that we live, your life should be characterized by it should be dominated by that love. That's how we're supposed to walk. First Corinthians thirteen: Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself; is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things. Believeth all things. Hopeth all things. Endureth all things. That's the love that God wants us to have. We're to walk in that. How do you walk in his love? Walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5:18. This I say then: walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How do you walk in the Spirit? It's depending on God, moment by moment. Be filled with the Spirit. Continually understand your need for Him. You can't live without Him. You don't let anything get in between you and the Savior. You keep a short account with God. You just keep depending on Him, abiding in Him, and that love will flow through you. But not only are you to walk in your identity here, but it also says, in this context, be selfless because He sacrificed. In other words, that remember we talked about the motivation that we should have to follow Him because... He has forgiven me, all right? This is the parallel point. You're to be selfless in your living, your loving, because he sacrificed for you. Verse 2, I've already read most of it, but it says, He hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Selfish living, folks, is a lack of understanding what you have received. If you really understand that you're a beloved child of God today, guess what? You're not going to be selfish. Selfish sins are seen in verse 31 of chapter 4. Please look with me quickly at this. It says, let all bitterness. Bitterness is the opposite of a loving walk. Bitterness is all matter of resent or harshness. It's really having a bad taste in your mouth about somebody else. My dad's given the illustration before in his message on bitterness where as as a boy he got tricked into uh, by another guy on the Holy Land trip of taking a drink of water from the Dead Sea. And he said the water was absolutely awful. And uh, then when he found out it was near the sewage uh, dump, it didn't help anything. And, um, and then uh, he's only a 15-year-old, so he fell into that. Pastor would never do that. This is not recent. This is back when he was a kid, okay? Um, but anyway, the point is this. He said he was running up to the stands, the concession stands, looking for you know, uh, some kind of a Coke, I think, he got to drink. And he said it still took days to get that taste out of his mouth. That's what we're talking about. You may be the nicest person here. But you've got a bad taste in your mouth about some people. You may not show it. You don't have to show it. You don't have to have an overtness about it. It'll it'll turn into that at some point if it's not checked by the Spirit of God. But it doesn't have to be an overt type of action. It's just simply, it's just there. Can I say something here this morning? If you're still talking about how you were wronged years ago, I'm not saying you're blatant about it. You always have spiritual ways to say it. You know, I've given this to God, but man, I got wronged and you still clearly have a little bit of a taste in your mouth about something that's not good, you've allowed something to dominate your life, and it's not your identity. If you you know today that you are loved by God, you're not going to hold on to bitterness. Have you heard this phrase before? It's so true. I've seen it so much in the ministry. Hurting people hurt people. Bitterness, the Bible says, defiles many. And so it's really the opposite of a selfless living. It's selfish. It's not knowing who you are in Christ and understanding he loves you. And even when somebody wrongs you, you don't take it personally. You realize that you're not wrestling against flesh and blood. It might even be a close family member. But you step back and say, they fell into a trap there and that. They shouldn't have done that. But my God's big enough to give me the right spirit, and I'm going to love them anyway. That's the way we're supposed to react. But we get bitter, and then it turns into wrath. That's a violent outbreak of anger. It's like somebody who boils up and then subsides. It's not always anger, but they get mad, and then they don't. Or anger, indignation, just just angry a lot. Clamor, it's the outcry of passion. It's the idea of a manifestation of anger and brawling. Evil speaking, you're just slandering and injuring others with your speech. And then ultimately, malice. That's just a wicked and evil behavior that just is out for destruction. Isn't our culture in the malice point in many places? Christians, though. I'm amazed at how many Christians. Look, if somebody gets online, let me just say this. If somebody gets online... To try to knock a place that they've been at years ago? Don't you think that's a problem? Why are they doing that? Well, i got to tell my story. I'm going to tell you what, folks. Something's wrong with that. If God's big enough to take care of their situation, he can take care of it. God's big enough. He is big enough to do that. And, God, look, God will mete out justice. Remember, God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. That's why if we, if we know that we are loved and we, and, and we live in that reality, then we're not going to do anything to do to hurt the, lo- the other ones who God loves too. But then we find that forgiveness of others is a recognition of the fact that I have been forgiven. It's living in that recognition of, hey, I've been forgiven. I need to forgive. You know the story in Matthew 18. Of the man who was forgiven much, and then he goes out with somebody who, who owed so much less than what he had owed to that Lord, and he immediately was putting that man in prison. Unbelievable. Here he had been forgiven much, and he would not forgive a little. Now, folks, have you been forgiven much this morning? Yes, you have. Then, don't you think you should be willing to forgive others a little bit compared to what you've been forgiven? The idea of being kind, in verse 32, be kind is the idea of a benevolent, gracious, kind spirit as opposed to being harsh or bitter. Tender-hearted it's compassionate. Forgiving is, is the idea of doing a favor to to show oneself gracious, to forgive in the sense of treating the offending party graciously. Just forgiving them, just completely releasing that to the Lord and just treating them with love. It says, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you, in Christ you are forgiven, folks, because of what he did. So... What we're supposed to do there, according to that, then, is we should be able to uh, be selfless because of the sacrifice of our Savior. And then lastly, we're to reflect his heart. We're to reflect his heart. Notice here, walk in love. Be followers of God as dear children. and. Look at verse 3, please. For fornication, all uncleanness, covetousness, let not once be named among you as become as saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Folks, God's followers who truly love him want nothing to block the reflection of his glory in their life. A son who loves his daddy is not going to be wanting to do things that hurt his daddy. If he wants to be like his daddy, he's not going to. Get involved in things that are the opposite of his daddy. Look, folks, your daddy, and I'm not speaking irreverently, he's Abba, Father. Your daddy is pure. Are you? Impurity kills. Impurity hurts. Impurity destroys lives. And folks, we're bombarded with it. There's probably very few people in this room that didn't have something come across their computer or, or, or their phone did this week. You may not have tried to get it, but not. Oh, there's probably very few of you here that didn't have something come in front of your eyes that was, was impure. All you got to do is walk through the airport. I did it twice this week. It's everywhere. You know what the Bible says? All aspects of sexual sin is not to once be named among God's people. Not once. In the context of being a dear child to God. You see this? We're not talking about the context of do, do, do what I say. I'm the master lord. And he is, by the way. I'm the master lord. I demand that you live pure. No, I'm your daddy. Be like me. That's what he's saying. Or covetousness. Now, this is interesting how it sets that one apart. It's emphatically set apart. It's the idea of a greedy desire to have more. Folks, please don't get caught in that. It's, gonna, it's backfiring on our nation. It's going to really backfire sooner and later, I'm sure. But covetousness is a terrible sin for believers to be involved in material covetousness. We know even the Bible says don't covet somebody else's wife. There's the, the, um, the immoral side of that that can come out as well. Okay, and this is interesting. It says in those things, it says fornication, all, all uncleanness, all aspects of sexual sin or covetousness. Let it not be once named among you. Don't speak of doing such a thing. Don't even mention it among yourselves. Isn't that interesting? That means we shouldn't be listening to it, talking about it, entertained by it. I'm talking. I'm saying talking about it now, obviously being in a group where we're trying to grow and so on, that's fine. But I'm talking about just where you talk, it's a normal conversation. You're okay with it. Isn't your workplace full of that? Saints shouldn't be a part of that. And then it says filthiness, that's obscenity, shameless immoral conduct. I saw some of that kind of talking yesterday. I saw somebody get arrested at the airport in Atlanta. And uh, it was kind of scary. It actually turned into a gospel conversation. One of, one of our young ladies actually got to give a tract to somebody who said, I'm from Texas, I'll take care of them. Uh, and, um, and, uh, and then my daughter actually was, uh, God used it as a bridge conversation. And, and it was a, he said he'll read the tract. Praise God for that, right? But th- th- this guy was filthy in his mouth. You know, filthiness or foolish talking, that's the lack of forethought or wisdom. or It's godless. It's a talking at a low level. How much low-level talking teams do you have? I'm not talking about necessarily filthy talking. I'm talking about just low-level, lack of just lack of God and all in it. It's just, it's just silly, and it, it really has no purpose. It's foolish. How much of that adults do we do? Foolish conversation and sin combined is really where this can go, especially. And then jesting. It's the idea of, you know, are you the kind of person that has that really cutting remark or that, snarky way, the smart answer. You're kind of shrewd in how you come across. You, have a, you cunningly divert or cleverly retort to an objection. You, you just have a, a way of coming across and edgy to people. That's what this is jesting. Do you do that or are you part of that? You may not do it, but do you take part in that? Young people, even, even here, are you the one that's always known for being cynical and sarcastic toward others? Have a little edge about you? The Bible says that's not supposed to one time be named among you. Again, let's step back. It's not because Pastor Van said it's bad or even it's it's because God loves you and you're his dear child. And you want to be just like your daddy, right? It's not convenient, the Bible says. It's not seemly for a believer. It's not befitting. And then ultimately, I'm going to finish with this. It says in verse 4, but rather giving of thanks. So God's followers don't want anything to reflect to stop reflecting the glory of God. And then we see here that God's followers are passionate for everybody to know how wonderful their God is. If you love somebody, you're going to talk about them, and you're going to enjoy, and you're going to be grateful for them. I love being around people who are grateful for their parents. I love hearing kids talk about how much they love their parents. I love that. I love hearing kids talk about how much they appreciate uh, people who are investing in, in their lives. And they, and they talk about I love hearing adults talk about that. I, I appreciate that so much, where they're just always thankful. Think about it. The selfishness of all the sins I just mentioned or the selflessness of just a thankful spirit. Being thankful no matter what God has allowed in your life. So, friend, as we conclude this message here this morning, let me ask you this. Are you genuinely able to say this morning that you are living loved today? Are you secure? And then can, can you say that you are giving love to others? Can't give love unless you're living loved. And may God help help us to accept his love to us this morning and extend it to others. Let's bow for prayer, please.